0: Everybody and welcome to 52 Weeks of Empowerment. I am Andrea Pagnosi, your host. I'm also a career empowerment coach who's fiercely dedicated to getting everyone in 2022 to realizing their true career potential. This month, we have been very zeroed in on how we can tap in to all of our resources that can help catapult our careers professionally and help us get to where we want to be professionally. That's the purpose of the show. Most coaches who work with people that are pivoting careers or looking to get promoted will linger in and focus in on building your network on LinkedIn and other social networks, depending upon the industry you work in. And that's super important. I'm not discounting that. I'm not discrediting that. That's one method. They also will have you try to build a relationship and work directly with your manager or your organization to build a path forward in terms of career path. Some Companies provide them, some do not. We've debated that on previous shows. And that's always a good practice. You always want to make sure that your direct report manager is aligned to where you're working towards. But today we're going to provide some insight into a strategy that some of you may not have yet considered developing your career by tapping into your coworkers as part of your network and working with them as if they are your client. It is a very innovative approach. And to do that, we're going to be chatting with Jane Gertler, who is a trained professional coach and marketing fellow in the Society for Marketing Professional Services, SMPS, where she was a former president. Jane worked with emerging leaders to enhance their careers. And by becoming leaders in touch with both their personal and their team challenges, particularly as they relate to career mobility. So she is really an expert on this very unique networking. Jane comes with a great career in communication. She knows all about time management, works with clients to develop their own strengths in these areas. And she guides owners and staffs of companies on leadership skills, presentation coaching, certified professional coach. She is a magazine columnist, a national speaker. And my favorite thing that she is, is a graduate of Syracuse University's New house School of Communications. As many of you know, my daughter is beginning her senior year at Syracuse. Go Orange. Welcome to the program, Jane. Oh, Andrea, I didn't know that. Thank you. Go orange indeed. Well,
1: I am very excited to be here with you on this podcast. I think Andrea is doing an amazing job talking about all of this wonderful information for you and giving you all of these options and opportunities. So let's jump right in. I kind of think she has said a whole lot about me already. How do we start? How do we start in talking about this subject? And believe it or not, it all starts with How are you showing up at work each morning? Whether you are going into an office or you are going into your work from home location, how are you starting your day? Are you feeling energetic? Are you focused? Are you ready to tackle the day? Or like many of us, is there something else going on? Are you feeling under the gun with events at home? Did you have a poor night's sleep for one reason or another? Are you there at your desk and your computer because you want to be or because you feel like you have to be? That's the very beginning, Andrea. That's the core. How are you going to prepare yourself to manifest what you want out of that day? My suggestion really is that you become a leader in your own life and take charge of how you're going to start that day. So how do you do that? you got to believe that it's your choice to make. You've got to believe that all kinds of things happen and we all have stuff in our lives. Some we can control and a lot of it, we just can't. So how do you make what you're going to do create the impact that you want to be able to start the day? And the way to do that, one of the ways that I love is to hone in on your focus. Some people get up and meditate. I'm not one of them. (laughs) After sleeping for six or seven or eight hours, even four or five hours, I want to get up and I want to go. Meditation in the morning is not for me. I won't discount it. Many people do it. I will get up and I will exercise. I will go for a walk. I will do a short workout. I will do something to get the juices going. I will have a light breakfast and then I will be ready. Okay, sometimes I get a late start. Then what do I do? Well, I will come to my desk and I will do a breathing and or centering exercise. I will take deep breaths for a period of about five minutes, going in for a count of four, hold it for a count of four and let it go for a count. I will do that five minutes to allow myself to focus in. The stuff that's keeping me up at night or the stuff that is making the start of my day difficult doesn't go away. We know that, but it is possible to put it to the side. Center yourself, focus on your core values and what you want from that day and get started with
0: it. Does that make sense, Andrea? It absolutely does. So what you're saying is even before you get to work, You need to start your day off right, in the right frame of mind, in the right focus. Not always easy, which you acknowledge, but you did say making an effort is the first step. I love that. It's the first step to
1: becoming a leader in your own life. And that's what I want you to do. We talk about leadership within an organization, which is terrific. And I like to talk about becoming a leader in your own life, because Each and every day, we each have an opportunity professionally and and personally to become a leader and be a leader in our own life. You may be advocating for a child at school. You may be working on a particular project. You may be helping a friend. But it is in your control and your power to choose the actions you're going to take to become the leader in your own life. There will be people all around you who will be saying things and doing things that serve their agenda and perhaps the agenda of others, too. You get to decide what you're going to do and how it's going to align to your core values. That's the control that you have. You can take those steps. People can say whatever they want to say. We're not responsible for that, but we are responsible for what we can generate. And how we want to align our lives with our core values and go forward. Absolutely. And how we show Absolutely. up. One of the things we like to do when you're given a situation at work, for example. So what I say is treat your coworker as your client. Well, what does that mean? What do you mean treat your coworker as your client? When you're in business and you're trying to attract a new client, what do you do? I want to sell a particular project. I worked in marketing in the um, architectural field for a very long time. And when I wanted to meet a new client, we would have a whole structure on how to do that. Typically, a project team will go into a meeting and what will they do? They'll start talking about themselves. We do this. We do that. We are talented in XYZ. We build the most sustainable buildings in the country and so on and so forth. I teach my teams to go in and flip that around. And the first thing they do is, before they start presenting, they say, we're going to tell you all about ourselves and what we do and how we do it. But the most important part of this meeting is for us to learn about you. Can you tell me what your pain points are? Can you tell me about the challenges that you're meeting in getting this project done? Obviously, this is this could be about a lot more than buildings. It can be about any project that you are going to undertake. But as soon as you walk into a meeting with a cohort and you turn to them and you say, tell me what would be most helpful for you. Let's talk about our target audience together. And what do you think the learning objectives are as you see them? Put the ball in. Put the ball in their court, just like you would a client. You want to align yourself. with them. You want to find out where their head is. And you want to give them the opportunity to give you the feedback that you need to succeed. How do you know how to succeed if you don't know what this person is looking for? Maybe it's an upper management person, in which case you definitely want to gain an understanding of what they're expecting from the outcome of this meeting. Meeting, or maybe it is someone who is a close peer, and you want to be cooperative and constructive together with that person to show that you can work as a dedicated team member. The way to not do that is to come in and say, I see the project like this. (laughs) Here's the audience I see. Here are the learning objectives I see. Come in and immediately spark. a, a, you know, an an activation of community and cooperation with that person.
0: What I love about that is not just the camaraderie that it will behold, but it is so applicable to so many instances within your career, including interviewing for a job, because we're so accustomed when we interview, whether it's an internal promotion or an external opportunity, we are so program to believe that we're supposed to tell them all about how great we are. If we walked in and we said something like that, kick off the interview, what an impact that would make. That's an impact statement. So I can see that in doing it in a corporate environment with your coworkers, they would have the same type of immediate impact positively on the people that you're working with. How have you seen it be successful in your clientele? I've seen it be
1: successful when we walk into meetings. Again, I worked in the design community for a long time and it was very difficult sometimes to break into a developer, a particular developer client. They were large, they were successful. The market at the time, they could have almost any firm that they wanted, you know, do work for them. People were dropping their prices like crazy. And the way it really worked Was walking in and saying, Before we present who we are, I see you've worked with A and B and C and D firm. We're in New York, which is where I am. It is a given that there are dozens of firms who do good work. And by the way, that should be your given also. Mm -hmm. Whether it's you or the company that you represent, make sure you're with a company that does good work. Because the bottom line is, if you're in a competitive city and you're with a company that does not do good work, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. That's a problem with respect to getting new clients. So I'm going to assume that you and your company, you are doing good work and provide a quality project. But you go in and you say, tell me what is your pain point? Tell me what is keeping you up at night? And this particular developer looked at me and said, hmm. You know, nobody's ever really asked me that before. He said, quite honestly, we're working with all these different architectural teams and everyone is in such a rush. The deadlines are so fast-tracked that I'm finding the quality of the drawings are really suffering. So we're going from firm to firm, looking at drawing qualities because those are the projects that will present the least amount. So here I had prepared this whole presentation with pretty pictures. And addressing all kinds of other issues like quality and sustainability and all of the broad stroke kinds of things. And here, this particular developer was coming down to the minutiae of are the drawings of good quality? Once I knew that, it was easy to take extra time at the slides in the presentation that really showed how thorough and how detailed our drawings were. If I hadn't asked the question, I just would have skimmed by all of those and probably never shown them at all. So, you know, what keeps you up at night is a really good question to ask.
0: It is. And in a work environment where you're looking for advocacy, you're looking for support when the time comes, when it's time for promotion or an opportunity comes up at that, they're looking for somebody who's particularly collaborative. You're going to be the first person people think of because you've put everybody ahead of yourself. I love that you're taking the you out of the equation and making it a week. That's first and foremost how do you feel about career pathing in general when it comes to a corporate environment? Is it a collective opportunity with regard to the way that you work with people should be a reflection of how you would work in a next level opportunity? Or do you think it's an individual contributor? Hey, this person is... To me, that's how people are typically recognized for promotion. You did great. We're going to reward you with a promotion. But what I hear you saying, and I just want to clarify and make sure that I'm hearing you correctly, is that it really isn't about so much what they do individually solely, but what they do for the organization to minimize pain points and work collaboratively.
1: Well, a leadership and relationship coach. There's a reason that I have picked those two things to be my focus. You can be the only man or woman on the island who, who happily works on your own and does your project and then submits it. But I truly believe that you will get further as you build those relationships and unite with other people on your team. To respond to your question, Andrea, I think that there are at least two different people. And one is the person who goes into a firm Brand new, perhaps someone in their 20s, and maybe this is a first or second job, and they're really learning about this field. And perhaps they, they don't even know what the growth path is or what the opportunities are. So they have to take the time to get to know that and to get to know the people and to really try to figure out, well, what is the direction they want? Once someone is a little bit more experienced and they have an idea of the direction they want to go in and and how and who and what departments they want to grow into, then yes, then your coworkers can become your clients. Whether you work in a company that has 12 people or that has 200 people. You want to be able to form the relationships that will be productive. And some of the ways to begin doing that is simply when you look people in the eye, when you're in a meeting, you talk to them, look at them directly, address them directly. That's a simple thing, but we're so used to looking at screens sometimes and talking on phones and being at computers that, my gosh, in-person meetings, do we still have the skill sets to do that? I hope so, because that's super, super important. Be positive when you're in a two-person or 10-person meeting. Be the person who comes out with the positive statements. Be the person who is going to construct the scenario and the situation, not destruct it. Having said that, we have to recognize the challenges in any given project or meeting. We have to say, listen, we're supposed to be showing that we are ABC company that can design wonderful buildings, but this is a project. This is a problem. We've never done this particular project. If you're an event planner, I've never done an event with Hot Air Balloon. If you're an attorney, I've never handled a case like this. This is a challenge and challenges come up. And of course, we've got to talk about never go into a situation where you're not presenting one or two solutions Mm. at the same time as you present the challenge. And I say two solutions, I think two solutions is ideal because then you empower the person you're talking to, to choose between those two solutions, still allowing them to choose. But hopefully they're two solutions
0: that you're happy to work with. Exactly right. This is a strategy that can really position you better in a corporate environment for being not a squeaky wheel, but a solutions minded individual that's trying to move the needle forward for everyone, not just themselves. Too often we do see the squeaky wheel, the one that's not afraid to step on others to get ahead. I said this on a very early episode, back about six or eight months ago. I said, Not knowing I was going to have Jane on the show, but I'm glad she's here now to pull this through because what I said was you need to have your anchors and your anchors are not just your manager and it's not just your one-up manager who can help position you for promotion, even if it's a lateral move in the organization. Your anchors also need to be the people around you. More and more companies, Jane, as I'm sure you're aware, are looking at feedback loops that are on the same level as you are. They're even asking clients to rate you because it's not any longer about the qualitative internal employee, but it's the quantitative. What have they done to make your day better? Why do you like working with this person? Tell me a little bit about how you've seen things evolved in the last few years anyway, but throughout your career towards more of a people-centric approach and what that really means. Oh, it's so
1: interesting. Well, I think that years ago, perhaps it was, we're here to get the job done. And this is it. It's black and white. You come to work for this company and we're here to get the job done. No matter what it is or no matter the toll that it takes, quality of life. I don't even think 30 years ago that quality life of life was an expression that existed, right? I mean, did anybody talk about quality of life? No way. No way. That kind of wasn't wasn't a conversation. But I think today, especially since the pandemic, returning to the office, returning to work, I think that people are facing a great deal of stress for a variety of situations. And I'm happy to say that nearly every firm that I speak to is aware of this because it's something either they're going through personally or they've seen it in their work, in their their workforce. Today, more than ever, I would say that senior management is aware that they have to provide a culture that nourishes and protects their workforce. And I think there is a new respect for that. Going way back, I remember experiencing pregnancy discrimination. You know, I I have had three children in the time that I am working. And each time was a little bit differently, but always there was some kind of discrimination with respect to what I could do, the hours I could work that had nothing to do with the reality of the service that I was providing. That goes on today. I think there is a much greater awareness of that, you know, and of course there are attorneys that represent and help people Mm -hmm. who get into trouble with that, along with racism, ageism, you know, employee discrimination and all of that. The virtual world has evolved where we are helping people in person and virtually to stay in touch and have meetings and speak in smaller groups in breakout rooms and have fun and do games and provide a culture of unity as best that they can. Creativity today is at an all-time high, which is so exciting to me because I worked, I've worked. i worked primarily in a creative field, and I think it is fabulous the things that we can accomplish both virtually and in person today. There is a growing awareness of the powers as well as the sensitivities of each person who works in a company.
0: I think that's an important message to echo because I am seeing it as well. I'm seeing not just the awareness, the vulnerability, the empathy that leaders are showing more of, but the extent to which they're showing it. It's one thing to wear your heart on a sleeve as a leader and support people and recognize people for their value to, that they bring to the organization, have those anchors in their corner. It's another thing entirely to see individuals who are willing to take risks for other individuals in an organization. Sort of goes back to the subject at hand, which is treating your coworkers like your clients. I actually recently, and I shared this in a blog that I wrote on LinkedIn recently. And it, there were people that were appalled because they were like, oh my God, is this really still happening today? The reality was the individual was a client of mine and the process of working at his current job being positioned for and groomed, frankly, they put a lot of money and effort in his education and you know, gave him plenty of accolades over the years. He was hired into the organization and he was the next best thing since sliced bread for the promotion and wasn't even given an invitation to the table. They did post the role for the blink of an eye, said they had an internal candidate. He internalized that, called me and said, we got to get ready. got to get ready for this promotion because I'm going to have the interview. And they announced two, three days later that they were actually going to be bringing somebody in from an external situation. And There was no explanation. There was no feedback given. It was the litmus test he needed to exit stage left. One of the things that happened as a result, and it is one of my favorite stories, which is why I share it, has nothing to do with me, but it has everything to do with a manager who went the distance and walked the talk. His manager was incredulous because none of this happened at his level. I said, before you do anything and you assume anything, sit down with your manager and find out what they know. The manager hadn't even read the email yet that that person had been promoted over or brought into the organization for the role. Long story short, put his neck out on the line and didn't my client get a better promotion and a better raise than they were ever anticipating with that role because the manager stepped up, the manager stepped up. So really what he said was, I I don't think I would have stayed at the company because we bend over backwards for our clients And if we can't bend over backwards for the people in the building, I would say we were not walking the top, but my manager put his neck on the line for me. And here I sit today in a better place than I ever imagined. And I'm hearing that more and more. I really am. I agree with you. I echo that fervently. I'd love to hear about your thoughts on how establishing professional relationships, just like this example, can create a path for upward mobility. Establishing professional relationships goes back to what are the
1: values of, the, of your company? You know, what does your corporation value? In a professional service firm, physician, an attorney, an architect, an engineer, an accounting firm. And professional service firms, they love people who can bring in new business. Cristobal Condi, the CEO of Sun Microsystems at one time said, the greatest gift you can give yourself is to have a sales job somewhere along the way of your career. Learning to sell is a lifelong skill you will always use. So by learning to bring in new business, Anytime uh, someone in a law firm wants to become a partner, someone in an architectural engineering firm wants to climb the management ladder, they need to have the skill of being able to bring in new business. And trust me, there are many professionals who are very busy, if not most professionals, who are very busy being doctors, lawyers, architects, engineers. And the last thing I want to do is be able to sell. But are you the leader of your own life? You have to sell more than you realize. When you advocate for a friend amongst a group of friends who are calling them out, when you advocate for your child, when you defend a member of your family, when you go before a PTA board or a board of education, or a real estate condo co-op board, and you advocate for an idea, what are you doing? You're selling your idea to other people. And learning that skill set of how to form the relationship, unite with those people, ask them empowering questions, learn what their pain points are, and what keeps them up at night, allows you to form relationships that will allow you to grow. Networking is super important. Today, it's still super important. Hopefully, you know, more in-person meetings will, will gain more and more and more popularity as we begin to move back into that direction. Going to meetings, I mean, I have had to drag people to meetings with me, but I'll give you some tips on how to do that. Please. I am sure we have all walked into industry conferences and you walk into these giant rooms with a glass of wine or something in your hand and it's up to you to meet, not exchange business cards, but meet and try to form some kind of bond with several people in this room. Well, how do you do that? One tip is to get there early. Get there early. You're hearing an author speak about a book or you're hearing about somebody doing some kind of presentation. Get there early. Go up and introduce yourself to the main speaker. They're setting up a table full of books. Help them out. Pretend you're the host. Get them a drink of water. Help set up the microphone. Get involved early on in the beginning. It's so much easier to be the fourth or fifth person to enter the room than to be 100th or 104th person to enter the room. It's so much easier to get involved that way. And then as people come in, you'd be surprised at how comfortable you feel welcoming people and saying hello. Have you ever gone to a dinner function and you're at a table where you know one other person and then there's eight other people at this table of 10 that you don't know? Be the person who starts the ball rolling. I'm Jane Gertler. I'm a leadership and professional coach. I went to the IPEC School of Coaching. What do you do? What's your name? And start a movement around the table. How do you approach a stranger? Approach the one who's standing alone in the room because they're always there. And chances are they're feeling super uncomfortable because they're standing there alone trying to figure out how they should start a conversation with someone. Go up to them. Introduce yourself. Comment on the pair of earrings or the tie that they're wearing and start talking to them. Read the newspaper before you go. Know what's going on in the world, in the news. Have that in your back pocket if someone wants to talk about that. Have knowledge of what's going on. Do not go to two people that are speaking closely one-on-one. That conversation you don't want to interrupt. But if you see a group of three or four or five, be brave. Go up to them. Introduce yourself. Or the lonely person in the room. And then if you find that you want to move on, but meanwhile, it's just you and this person, take them with you. Hey, I'm going to stop and get a drink. Would you like to come? Better yet, if you see someone else you know, pull them into your mix and introduce them. Be a connector. Connect the person you're talking to someone else who might help them. Find out what their mission is and why they're here and what company they represent and what they would like to gain. Remember, who's your audience? What are the objectives of the meeting? You want to begin to form those relationships. That's your first touch there. And that's how you walk into a room and start mingling. And remember the next time you go, wear a crazy tie. <laughs> wear a beautiful pair of earrings. My husband has a trick. he's 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 a marketer also. God help us, but he will, he will go in with a name tag that has like a marquee of flashing lights around. it. It is so corny, but does everybody stop him and comment on it? Yes, they do, without
0: fail. This is back to basics for me. I was in sales for many years, but I do think we've gotten a touch away from that. Even in a virtual framework, people have become much more introverted. Even outgoing people have had a difficult time reassimilating into group situations. And so these are great reminders of how to break the ice. I really feel as though people do themselves a serious injustice to keep themselves to themselves. Share.
1: And also, Andrea, what I think is so interesting is that there are so many opportunities to meet people and to learn about people who may be resources for business. I mean, I've gotten new clients standing online at the movies in the old days when I used to go to the movies, standing online on a Friday night and talking to somebody in front of me or somebody behind me and getting into a conversation. And and somehow it rolls around into what you do. And I was a marketing consultant. I would just start talking and people would overhear or this one would know or he would know someone who knows someone I mean, I've gotten new clients taking flights across the country. It's not that I look for those opportunities, but I am a person who says yes. So if someone says to me, hey, you want to try this new restaurant in the city tonight? I never say no. I never say what kind of restaurant. I always say, sure. Someone says to me, hey, you want to go skydiving next week? That's not my thing, so I won't say yes. <laughs> But- As often as I can, I do say yes to new experiences. And I love what I love about what I'm doing, both coaching and marketing. What I love about what I'm doing is I'm truly interested in people. Remember, when you're building relationships, you may be at your neighbor's barbecue, say, for example, and you'll meet somebody. And that's an acquaintance. Okay, say you have a second or a third interaction with this person and you start talking about some interesting topics. You know, you both love dogs and you both, you know, raise um, animals, you know, from birth or, you know, you're both interested in in the stars or astronomy or you discover a mutual hobby or something along the way. You begin to establish something happens and you end up doing work together or you see an interesting article and it reminds you of the person. So you take that article and you shoot an email to them. And, you know, just thought of you when I came across this, thought you might enjoy it. You're creating a a touch point with that person. And all of a sudden, you're starting to establish a bond. You become an ally. You know what you really want to shoot for? You really want to try to take steps to get them to be an advocate. Mm -hmm. You do for them. And then at the same time, you let them know the kinds of things that you're involved with. If you're lucky enough to become a business partner with them, to do business with them, you want to create someone who will go at their next encounter and say, you know, I've just worked with Jane and she was an amazing coach. That's what you want. You want someone to become an advocate for you. And that can start from acquaintance and build up to that.
0: One of the parting words that, My client said to his then boss who got him promoted in that example that I shared earlier was, why is this different? Like, why did you do this? All of a sudden, I've been vying for this promotion for a long time. I know you've always been my advocate, been in my corner. And he said, because you didn't ask for permission. You took the bull by the horns and you put your neck out there and said, why not? Why not me? Too often we wait for permission, invitations to the dance, invitations to a conversation. We stand in the corner. We don't take the time to get to know people anymore. We just go it alone. We become very isolated through COVID. And now as we're bridging gaps, it's that word of mouth that you need. It's that advocacy that you need. Hey, I know you're looking for this job. I have a friend who's hiring for that job. This person may have only been looking at job search engines online or, or, you know, looking at specific company websites that they want to work for and been very isolated in their search. But if they build their advocacy, they build these relationships and they lean on them. That's how it happens. Nine times out of 10, a friend of a friend of a friend. It's a great strategy. What recommendations do you have, however, for the people that truly have issues that may be really introverted and really still reeling from the isolation of the pandemic? To be honest, get a coach and get individual personalized
1: help because there is nothing better than when you have a coaching relationship, it is an alliance. And it's an alliance that's focused on you and your particular challenges. That coach is dedicated to working with you, helping you meet those challenges with a positive outlook. You know, in coaching, we refer to the gremlins, the inner voices of negativity that can hang out on our shoulders you know i remember in training we we constructed gremlins you know we drew them we we sculpted them out of clay or or paper mache or anything drawings we downloaded from the internet and we all showed our gremlins and the voice of that gremlin more often than not is the voice that says you're not good enough well i'm here to tell you that you are good enough you are always good enough you just have to Work with someone that will allow you to be able to see that. We are all really perfect in our own right, believe it or not. We have our values. We know individually what we want, or we can work together to tease that out. It's a matter of quieting that voice or changing that voice, really, and saying, I am good enough and I can make this happen. It's a learned skill set, and you and anybody else can learn how to do that
0: just like we all learned how to tell ourselves that we're not good enough. It takes time to believe in. It takes practice. You got to put the work in. And I agree with you, obviously, very wholeheartedly about hiring a coach. Speaking of that, how can people work with you, Jane? I am available. My
1: coaching, my company name is Rebecca Jane Coaching. Um, People say, what do you mean? I thought your name was Jane. Why is it called Rebecca Jane Coaching? Well, Rebecca's the voice inside of me who speaks out. I have always been Jane and the one I used to hide when I had to fill out my name on Regents exams because I was never crazy about it. But she's the one who speaks out. So I decided to name my company Rebecca Jane Coaching. But I'm Jane at RebeccaJaneCoaching.com. I am also on LinkedIn as Jane Gertler. And I'd really be happy to talk to you about what's going on in your life and how to develop your leadership and relationship building style.
0: We would love to advocate for our friend, Jane, because she is awesome. I am blessed to have her as a colleague and just really appreciate you coming on 52 Weeks because this is a very different strategy to make your coworkers somebody that you can lean on. People really don't believe me when I tell them this is a real strategy. Do it. It's important. It's not just your boss that can help you at leave no stone unturned. So thank you for sharing your wisdom today with 52 Weeks of Empowerment. And thank you, Andrea. Greatly appreciate the opportunity. Thanks everybody for listening to us today. We hope that this has made some real sense to you because it is a real strategy, as I mentioned, and it works. That's all the time we have for you this week. We appreciate you tuning in. We hope you'll tune in next week where we will catch up with you. Same time, same place, even more power.